Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. So let's bring her out. A star attraction. The one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold. Welcome to Kill Me Now. Let me just say, I'm excited and nervous about this interview because I don't want to say the wrong thing. <laughs> but this guy, I love our guest today. He is a journalist. He is an author. He is a civilist. He is Mr. Manners. No, I'm not. I'm wrong. No, I was finger wagging at you. Like, oh. you, you worried. <laughs> yes, I'm worried. He is brilliant. He is funny. He's one of a kind. I mean, I think you are it for our generation as far as, as what you do. And he's right. a proud member of the LGBTQ or SDUVW, XYZ, umlaut, pi sign, cosine, treble clef. And may um, I add one other identifier? Wait, let me think what the other identifier is. Author, journalist, um, my TED Talker. Mother, my mother was a Jew. Oh, my God! I was wondering through your reader. I thought so. God damn it, shit. Her name was Strauss. Wow. That is, oh, my God. Stephen, I thought I wasn't going to be doing the bell that much. But I'm now... I'm so excited that you went and got the bell because you almost forgot it. I've been looking forward to this for weeks. I don't often have the opportunity to come out. You know, I'm a terrible Jew. We had- right, never, Obviously, I mean- I am cut, I am cut, but that's uh -huh. about it. I have two Jewish friends actually who have not circumcised their children. And it really bothers me. And I know it's none of my business, but I feel like it's- <laughs> One of the rites of passage, the identifiers. Yes. And it really bothers me, even though it's none of my business, but it, I, I'm a little judgy when it comes to that. And I'm going to be brutally honest with you today because you are brutally honest. Now, I'm going to be brutally honest with you too. Good. Curiosity is usually a, not a good reason to go invading someone's private parts. Right. But- you know, don't, I don't want to know about it either. Like, don't tell me what your kid's penis looks like. Um, this book, by the way, is, am I, I'm cursing. I don't care. I can't be someone else with you. It's fucking great. Stupid things I won't do when I get old. But you have 8,000 other books. But this is the new one. And it's, fuck, please read this. Please. Okay. Thank now, you. You can totally curse with me. Okay. Steven, your life is fascinating. And we have a lot of things in common. Okay, number one, we have a very high, um, you know, uh, what would I say? High society person on the show today. Okay, I'm just saying. Uh, where, where is he? And he, <laughs> who has a Jewish mother, which makes him Jewish because that's what Hitler would say. Okay, so right. you're best known for your New York Times essays, Washington Post essays on civility, manners, aging, cancer. You wrote the complete gay and lesbian uh, manners and the definitive guide to LGBT life. Um, you have a civil behavior column in the New York Times, the host and executive producer of the Civilist podcast. You are fascinating to me because even though I'm like 
I curse, you know, and I, people think I'm harsh. Mm-hmm. I come from the same sort of background as you, as far as, and I want to get into this later because I want to talk about your childhood, but I am. Should I lie down and make you? Yes, lay down. Is it lie down? Lie down. Lie down. Dr. Judy. Okay. I, and my friends will tell you this, Stephen. I, I literally get violently angry with bad table manners. Like I can't, like I can't, there are certain friends I can't even look at when they eat with the thing like that, you know, like hold. I was, I grew up in a house. I know this is going to shock everyone. My <laughs> mother, Jewish, uh, my grandmother was born in 1896. So it was mine. No. Oh my God. It's getting, uh, we're the same person. Okay. My grandmother was born in 1896. My mother, 22, my father, 1916. Okay. Wait, your father was born in 1960? 16. 16. Anyway, it was a big thing at our, at our table growing up. Like my grandmother, they grew up in a house where you had to ask to speak, you know, like, may I Mm -hmm. speak? You know, this is generation. They're older. I had older parents, but so it's generations of, but I was brought up with this. Never use a pusher. We weren't allowed to use a pusher to get something on our fork. I mean, my mother would sit there for a half an hour to try to get the last piece of rice onto her fork without using a pusher. She might have starved to death. It's so right. difficult. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, the way you hold your fork, like if I see my kids, I'm like, and, and I just, and it's like my mother used to be, what are you going to do when you have dinner with Queen Elizabeth? You know? She's not but, Jewish. What? Who's not Jewish? Your mother. My mother did love the royal family, but you know, I, my favorite one was Judy. My what? favorite, and this came up last weekend. I was at a, I was at a small dinner party. We had, we had. It was basically borscht, but it was fancy beet soup. The way, right? And um, everybody was kind of like just chugging. I said, you know, remember the rule with the spoon out to sea and right. back to me. Right. No slurping allowed. No slurping. Also. Is it is true that if your soup is cold and you get it first, you have to wait. When the food is cold, don't you wait for everyone to be served? Unless your host or hostess says, please go ahead without me like my mother used to. Because they're modas. They're mod. Please go ahead and eat without me. No, go. No, I'm, you I'm eat. Starved to death. Right. But, it, you know, I'm, as reading your book and just know it, like, Stephen, I get like mad. Like, I don't know. Like I I'm trying to work on this because all my friends make fun of me all the time. They don't push their chairs in. They, you know, and they're like, what is wrong with you? And I, I don't know what psychologically it's really has, I don't, what is that? You know, our moms get in our DNA and, you know, no matter how much I've tried, I still pee in the same pod with my mom. I know. She got me stationery that matched hers when I was. That I read that. And I, yep. I have stationery. I just went over to someone's house for dinner and I wrote them a thank you note. I always handwrite thank you notes. It's a thing I always do. And they, people call me, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I, you know, it's, again, there's no way I could A, go to someone's house empty handed or B, not write a thank you note for having me to your home. Well, please come to dinner. 
Oh, and you love my stationery. Mine's cranes as well. Okay, so Stephen. I will be writing a thank you note when we're done. Oh, I've gotten a couple of those. Erica Rhodes wrote me a thank you note because I think we discussed that. And uh, Rob Sedgwick, you know, like I get, uh. So um, I, just, I, know, I know folks at home can't see this, but you can see this. I got this thank you note from a 19 year old friend of mine this week. No. It's so beautiful. You know, she really booked both sides of the car and even on the back. And um, so sweet. Elise Moses. Love Elise, you. Jewish? Not Jewish. Not Jewish. So you must have had I a good time. Her. You must have had a good time with Elise, huh? <laughs> if I didn't know any better, Stephen. So listen, you grew up in NYC, correct? Correct. So that I'm really jealous of. My mother uh, was from the Upper West Side. So was then, mine, again. Same? Same. What West, year was your mother 90th, born? West 90th Street. She was born in 1932. So my mother was born in 1922, West 94th Street. Now, my aunt is 1920. She, did she go to Joan of Arc? She went. To Hunter for high school. I don't know where she. No, the, I'm before, before yeah. yeah. And then they went to Julia Richmond for high school. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Guess who was in my mother's class? 1922. Famous actress. Mm. Changed her name. Jewish. Jewish and changed her name. I can give you the original name, which will probably give it away. Give me the original name. Betty Persky. Oh. Oh. I'm drawing a blank, but I know. Lauren Bacall! Exactly. I'm smoking. Wow, you are so ungay. You lost I, one gay point for that. You know, I'm not good on that. On that okay, gay. that's fine. I had okay. my gay revoked. Um, so you grew up in, in New York City. Your mother, uh, Margot. Your father, Richard, also known as Dick. Not a Jew. Uh, not a Jew, but a professor uh, mm-hmm. and a journalist. You're... Mother was a psychiatric social worker. This is, is that true. correct? This is true. Father, professional professor of journalism at NYU. Mm-hmm. Two siblings, Julie and Jay. Yes. And what did? Where did you go to grammar school? I couldn't find. I was searching for a grammar school in high school, and I could not find anything. It really pissed me off. Well, I went to PS 101 in Forest Hills, Queens. Yes, because and you had your grandmother lived in Queens, correct? Yeah. Um, And then I went to Stuyvesant in Manhattan. Well, of course you did, because you're a genius. You're a genius. Woo. Did your siblings? I really wanted to be a meteorologist when I was. No way. And and Stuyvesant's a science and math school. I got a much higher score on the math part of the SATs than the verbal. And um, I don't know what happened. It became lighter. So Stuyvesant, by, by the way, now is the most competitive, probably the most competitive high school in America, but also they're, it's crazy. Like it's crazy genius. It's probably harder to get into than when you were oh. like, like every college is now, but yeah. Um, did your siblings also go to Stuyvesant? My brother did. Jay, and where did Julie go? Julie went first to Hillcrest High School. Mm-hmm. And then she went to McBurney in Manhattan. Oh, yeah. That's nice. She got the private school. You mm-hmm. know, the baby in the family, we're always jealous of her. Oh, well, you know, I'm the baby and we are perfect. So what was your childhood like? I mean, like, you're, you're a New York City kid. 
first you're gay. You have this, you know, these great parents who were so educated. What what was it like growing up in New York City at that time? Well, so we grew up in this, we grew up in Forest Hills and right off Queens Boulevard. Right. And like within a block, there was a gay bar. No way. What was the name of it? A Touch of Class. Ah! <laughs> they always have the worst name. Whispers. Yeah, go ahead. You know, and so I would go there. My sister would go there. You know, we didn't even have to drive because we were right. like younger than 18. And um, so the most memorable um, event there was I went home with this guy. And then, of course, after we had um, done the deed, he asked me my name. Right. I told him and he said, oh, are you related to Julie? Right. I said, why are you asking? <laughs> and he said, oh, you're a better kisser than she is. No fucking way. And um, I'm, Julie will really appreciate me telling that story. I know. That is hilarious. What year was that? That was in the, in the 70s, the mid 70s. That's fucking hilarious. So what were then you- we, in- Then we were in cahoots with each other. We would go into the village together. We would go to tell our parents we're going out. And then we would go to our respective bars, do our respective business, and then meet right. at IM at West 4th Street and take yes. the UCF back home. Right, right where the comedy cellar is. That's so funny. So you kind of had a pal in this whole. Yes. Um, so were you involved in like extracurricular activities? Like, I, I love reading about your relationship with your father, which we'll get into, um, and that you love, you were really close to your mother. Were, were your other siblings closer to your father than you? It's just so fascinating to me that, you know, you talk about this fraught relationship with your dad, um, and yet you end up having the same profession as him, you know? Um, and there was a time in my life where I wanted to do everything different than my dad. Right. I was that that know-it-all, which is part of this book. Right. And in so many ways, I am following in my dad's footsteps and have been for a long time. And so that that's a real, you know, that's a challenge. And right. Especially, you know, when we get to talking about what it means to be older, because I saw right. my dad say he would never do the same things that his, his mother did. Right. Fiercely independent and would not leave her house. And then right. he was the same way. And here I've written about the importance of like, you know, making accommodations and so right. on. And am I just going to be exactly like them? Is it? It's scary. Well, I, it's, I hear myself with my kids all the time. Like, oh my God, that was my mother. Like it's, I know. it's, but yeah, you talk about your, you know, having to tell your grandmother that, sorry, you got to move to the ground floor. And she's like, you know, she's no, go fuck yourself. Yeah. You know, I love my liquid IV that I drink liquid IV pretty much every day. And I love it because it keeps me hydrated. I travel with it because it's in little packets. It tastes great. It's an amazing product. It hydrates better than water alone, three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks, eight vitamins and nutrients, non-GMO. But here's the best part. You know, I've been bragging about Ben, my son, Ben, who plays basketball. His team, his entire team, They love Liquid IV. I mean, they are number four in the nation. They are an amazing team. They've done better than ever this year. Dare I say it's because of the Liquid IV? I'm not going to say for sure, but I'm telling you, these athletes 
love liquid IV. They love all the flavors, strawberry, lemonade. I love the watermelon. I never give them any of my watermelon. They have sugar-free, white peach, green grape, lemon, lime. It makes you feel great. And if you need a little caffeine, the, the uh, lemon ginger is beyond, beyond. And I know they use it while they're working out. I'm pretty sure they might use it after a game that they won and went out and had, you know, a couple of drinky poos. But that being said, I love Liquid IV. They're a great sponsor. They're a great product. And I honestly couldn't live without them. And it's winter still. You need to be hydrated. Hydration is very important. So weekends are for going wild, as you all know. Have a game plan for Monday. That's what you need. I just had this conversation with Ben's girlfriend. I said, if you're going to go out and party, you need a game plan. And what's your game plan? Liquid IV. Weekends are for going wild. Have a game plan for Monday with Liquid IV. Grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code JudyGold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Superior Hydration today using promo code JudyGold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at liquidiv.com. You're welcome! What what extracurricular activities were you involved in? I was on the swim team at Stuyvesant. Wow, hot. Yeah. I got, I got my letter. Uh-huh. We, we would practice at the Salvation Army on 14th Street because Stuyvesant, oh. that was the old Stuyvesant building. There was no right. pool. Right. And um, so every every meet was an away meet. Usually we were mugged. Um, we lost. Uh, Any action in the uh, locker room? In my mind, there was a lot. Right. Was it really hard being a gay in that sport? Like, I know gays in so many other sports, but that sport in particular must be, because it really is, you're, con- you're naked, basically. You're hugging. You're like, you know, was it really hard for you? you know, I and was- I mean, and pun intended. <laughs> I know what you meant. I know what you meant. <laughs> Remember, I'm cut. Um, yeah. Uh, it was hard. It was really because I was still closeted and had not right. the terms with, with who I was. So it was hard because of the secret. Right. And, you know, and the attraction. Right. On Facebook, I see how everyone's grown up. I don't know what I was thinking. Right. I know. Isn't that funny? I would not want to see anybody in a Speedo. I know. I look at some pictures sometimes on Facebook. I mean, that's the only good thing about Facebook is you can be like, wonder what happened to that asshole who was so mean to me. And then you're like... Yeah. 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 Such satisfaction. And you were really close with your siblings or just your Julie or not Jay as much. You know, we've all, we've been close our whole lives. We've sort of had different waves and alliances. So yeah, my brother is straight. Although when both Julie and I came out to him, right. he was like, well, maybe I'm gay too. And we were like, no, you like, you like girls. We like, hear you with your girls all the time. You're right. straight. But they each have kids, and that was certainly a bonding um, aspect between them. Right. They have two each. Yeah. Um, but I will say, like, when our parents got sick, we became a very high-functioning team and uh, right. got much deeper. That's what happened to us, too, even though, you know, my brother was in Arizona. This is, like, you know, it's me and my sister, and, and, my, and I'm the youngest, and my sister lived closest. And mm-hmm. 
she really did the brunt of the has to be done right now, you know, kind of stuff. As did mine. Right. And so I did a lot of her advocating, taking her to doctors, you know, stuff like that. And my brother, this is so my brother talk about firstborn Jewish male Mm -hmm. would come to visit my mother. Right. And he would go to the nursing home, the Hebrew home, which she insisted on being in and it had to be kosher. So that's why she was there. And he would go, he would get here like Friday morning or late Thursday night and sit there until Sunday night with her. Like, and he called it total immersion, immersion, mm-hmm. total immersion. And my mother would sit there. What son does that? He is, who else would do? I'm like, ma, I'm here every other week, every week. I could, you know, I talk to you 80 times a day. I call. I'm a, and You're a girl. You're a girl. Right. He comes in every and he just sits here. He's so, and I'm like, I can't take it anymore. But it's also, you know what, Stephen? I have this theory about the available gay child as well. I think that in a lot of families, the child who is gay, who has internalized homophobia and wants to make up for the disappointment, they usually end up caring for the parents. Don't you think? I think oh, that's a lot of a lot of the case. I mean, in my family, my sister was closest. And um, so she was hands-on. My brother was in Connecticut and I was down here in North Carolina. So I got, I got charged with like doing all the finances. Right, right, so right. That, that's a job you could do remotely. And who knew right. that learn how to be remote four years ago? Right. And then, and then I would go up and then I would play my, you know, firstborn card, especially with my mom. Right. And she'd be all over me. And- oh, you know, Stephen, I, I love all my kids, but Stephen is something, favorite. huh? You would tell me I was her favorite. No way. Ju- oh, that's so funny because Julie and Jay are here today. <laughs> Julie, Jay. Okay, so, uh, oh, yeah. Judy, I tell them that all the time. That would not I'm be I'm sure crazy. they know. Every kid knows. who. The- when, <laughs> when did you and your sister come out to each other? You want me to be honest? Yeah. I no, would. I want you to lie. Yes. Well, she would want me to lie. So, I was 21 and she was, that would make her about 16. Right. And we're in her bedroom in Forest Hills. And I kind of like stammer, I'm gay. You know? Right. It's like an out-of-body experience. For kids who don't have to do this uh, and have been holding for a secret for 21 friggin' years, it is like, I, I, yeah, it's... So, I, I, I can't explain it. Go. I practically had a heart attack. And then she just starts laughing hysterically out of control. And I'm thinking too soon. She can't even deal with it. Like she's having you know, a, a mental health disorder is coming on. Right, right, right. So finally she calms down. She's able to talk and she says, I'm a lesbian. <laughs> just like that. And then just like that, like she had no issues. Right. I like freak out. What? you're a lesbian? And I'm not going to say exactly what I said. Right. But it reminds me of the t-shirt my mother gave her for Christmas around there. We open our presents. It's the kind of juice we were. Right. It says muff diver. <laughs> my mom had no idea what that really meant. Oh think, my God, that's hilarious. Muff diver. Okay. Were you a little jealous that she was 16 and be able to say it? Yes. What? I mean, I, and, I would have been like, having, and she was having, you know, sex. She was diddling. I know. I diddled at that age. I, I was yeah. not 16. You know, I waited to 
18. Right. That's crazy. And then it was it was your secret with her, correct? Well, it was for about three weeks. Right. Then my mother, she must have gotten wind. I she gotten wind of it. And so she started like badgering my brother and she broke him. And he outed us. Wait, how did he how did he find out? You told her, and then both of you told him? I guess. I don't remember. She must have told him, but and she didn't care, Mom your mother. Did, and she broke him. Wow. Did she care? Yes and no. So yeah. I mean, to be honest, like it turned out that my mother's mother, Marjorie Strauss, was also a lesbian. Oh, Stephen, this is freaking amazing. And she was partnered with Esther Bean, B-I-E-N, who was head of the American Girl Scout magazine. No way. They lived on the Upper East Side my whole life. They were like these two proper- Esther was Jewy? Esther was Jewy. Yes. And um, I think Esther was Jewy. Um, Well, Esther's so Jewy, that name, but yeah, go ahead. um, but the, so she edited the American Girl magazine, and I have some of those copies here. Oh my God, that's really she was so subversive. So I, the article that I loved best was Seven Ways to Groom Your Pussy. No. What what year was this? Probably like 1959. No fucking way. So and the pictures were all of kitties and cats, but that was Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. And so so that was in my mother's baggage. And um, and then it turned out that my mom's sister was a lesbian. So my mom felt really- So you have, you, it is so genetic. But, yeah. So your grandmother, Marjorie, was married to- Arthur Strauss. And what happened? That he she died they, young. He died young. She's so lucky he died young. Maybe she killed him. <laughs> yeah, that's, and how many kids did they have? They had two, Mar- uh, Margot and Anne. Wow. And you're getting, Anne, me, you're getting me to say things I have never said. I know. I love that. So, uh oh. <laughs> so, Marco and Anne, Anne's not Leslie. No, Anne was Leslie later in life. Oh, right. So, she's deceased. Well, they're all deceased. Bye, Anne. Anne. I love bye. you. So, yeah. did Anne ever marry a guy? Yes. Or did yeah. she live a Leslie life? She'd see. She married George. And they had not two, Jewish. Not. Yes, Jewish, George Youngwood. Nice. Okay. They had kids. They had two kids. Any gays in that family? No. But you think one <laughs> of them might be. I can tell by your face. I don't think so. No, you know, <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Other secrets there, but not that. <laughs> okay. So, and this is such a lesson for any young LGBTQ plus people. The history of of us, of, of being gay in that time period, the, the fact that people had to live another life and couldn't be true to who they were is, is such our story. And, and I think that people need to know the history of, of these people. I mean, you wouldn't be here mm-hmm. if, if Marjorie hadn't, yeah. but it, it really is the history of being LGBT and holding on to the secret that is just so painful. Living like you're, it's like you, being in the closet was one of the most painful things ever. And then you have to just say, "This is who I really am," and you know, it's it's horrible. So I love that you're sharing this with me. Also, um, when you were a kid, when when Marjorie and um, Esther? Esther moved in. Mm-hmm. 
what year was that? And did your mother ever shield you like, oh, they're just roommates or anything like that? Or did you always know? So my mother did not acknowledge it for a long, long time. I right. think my grandfather died in 1962, and I think they moved in together like a few years after that. But they had gone every year to travel to Europe for like three or four months. And so they had this one bedroom and they had twin beds. Oh, so right. It, yeah. It was like um, uh, the Dick Van Dyke show. Or Ricky and, and yeah, and yeah. Lucy. Yeah. And um, And, you know, it was always grandma and Esther. And we had three grandmothers, essentially. And then... They died, you know, within a year of each other. It was a, it was it was a really beautiful love affair, but it, it wasn't spoken of. And then me, I guess I s- smell it because I would always ask Esther, "How come you never married? How come you never married?" Right, like, right, right. It's like I had this repetitive disorder, and it was a terrible question for me to be asking her. Right, but she probably knew that you knew, or she. I'm sure. Don't you think she knew you were gay? Absolutely. Right. I mean, so my grandma grandma was a milliner. She had a Fifth Avenue hat shop. Nobody in our family ever wore hats. All I wanted to do was try on the hats. (laughs) And then, you know, at Christmas, again, the non-Jew Christmas, you know, I remember I I had gotten Lily Pulitzer slacks and I was like, you know. Wow. And Flamingo and it's like. Right. What's going on with this guy? Yeah, they knew. We didn't talk about it. I just find it fascinating that the Judaism was sort of a side thing. And yeah. this other, you know, these identities that carried, I guess, shame. I I, I just, it's so sad, you know? Um, but I'm so glad that they had each other for that period. Were they traveling while she was married to Arthur? Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. So they- he probably knew. Well, I don't know, because they went off to right. do hat, the hat buying in Europe, you know, and then they would come back yeah. to the PWA terminal in their fur right. coat. And all oh. I wanted, you know, all I wanted then was their fur coats also. Um, right. Millions of hat boxes. So I don't oh. know. About hey, everyone, you know. One of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids, and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality and they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have calorie smart, protein plus, keto. I just did chef's choice. 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so 
convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required. Okay? And factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me. I never lie. Factor is amazing. You're going to head to factormeals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S, dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero, okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, Judy Gold 50, to get 50% off. That's code Judy Gold 50 at factormeals.com slash Judy Gold 50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. You then go to UC Berkeley, right? Or do you go to Duke first? Duke first. Yeah. And then UC Berkeley, you graduated magna cum laude from Duke because you're a Jew. My mother loved anytime we saw a person who was like obviously so dumb or was acting really dumb, my mother would be like, at Phi Beta Kappa. <laughs> okay. So, um, and you got your master's at UCAL Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And you're in your early 20s and you get cancer. You get testicular cancer. And then when you're 26, they find some lymph nodes in your abdomen, was it? or? So actually, so yeah, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer in 1984. Right. I was with my boyfriend, Joshua, then, and he was touching me down there. And he goes, what's that? Joshua who? Joshua who? Joshua Reimer. Joe. Okay, go ahead. Absolutely. Sorry. No. <laughs> so he's touching your your testicles. And he goes, "What's that?" And I'm like, "What's what?" And there was like something. So of course I paid him no paid paid no attention. Right, no attention. Yeah, and then I went, and it was a whole thing, and it was a tumor, and I got it. I got chemo. Um, you know, one of the best stories I will. You know, this is like the story though that defines my mom. So. I had these, this um, operation that took one of my testicles that gave me a prosthesis. I can't believe I'm going on about this. And, I love it. And um, and when actually when I was in with the nurse, they get back then they would let you choose which size you wanted. Right. So guess what? <laughs> I chose. I want extra large. Right. <laughs> she, right. Goes, she goes. No. 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 You're a medium. And I, <laughs> We like, I love I, that. We got into it. She won, actually, but that's fine. All right. So, aren't you happy with the medium? I'm not a size queen. All right. There you go. Yeah. Um, how we're, do you... we're in with the oncologist and yeah. my little public service announcement. And he says, you know, you're fine. We got everything. And then he says to my mom, I've never lost a patient. And my mom, you know, Upper West Side, she goes, you're an oncologist. What do you mean you've never lost a patient? I'm taking my son for a second opinion to Memorial Sloan Kettering tomorrow. And there, I had metastatic disease. And um, I will call out Dr. Harry Herr, H-E-R-R, who was my savior, and um, said to me, either you believe me and you live or you believe that other guy, then you're a goner. But that story. Wow. Good for your mother. Mom and the importance of second opinions. 
I have two questions on this. How it affected you? Because, you know, life is a series of befores and afters where you're a different person after something happens. So dealing with that and then also as a son watching his mother, like, were you cognizant of the pain that your mother was feeling through this and the loss of control? I don't think I was fully aware of it at the time because I was making this transition from being a jerky, self-centered, eldest Jewish son right, to a patient who was scared, still self-absorbed, and then you know coming out quite a bit different. But right. it was terrible for both my parents, but especially my mom, because she was much more uh, right. that way. And um, uh, and then um, then two years later, I had I had a thing on my leg. And I was afraid to get the HIV test. This was 1986. They'd have the HIV test for about a year at that point. So I went to my doctor who was gay. And he said, well, we'll take that off. And then they sent it to the lab in Oakland. And they they called my doctor and they said, is he gay? And my doctor said, yes. So they gave me a diagnosis of Kaposi sarcoma, which which was the AIDS diagnosis. There was no treatment then. Right. I went to a couple of other doctors and they said, just go home and get used to it. You know, it was, that was awful. That's when I would go into the supermarket instead of buying, you know, the big mayonnaise, I would get the four ounce mayonnaise. Right. Oh, but I wound awful. up seeing Dr. Marcus Conant in San Francisco, who was the leading HIV AIDS doctor at the time. And he said, you know, let's back up. You never had a blood test. Let's do this the right way. And it turned out to be nothing, a nothing burger. Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, the fear of that, I mean, I lived through that as well. I lost a lot of people, Mm -hmm. which is another thing that young gays need to learn about this plague. I mean, I can't imagine cancer and thinking you have AIDS. I mean, did you tell your parents about the, the Kaposi sarcoma? I did. I, um, my first book was called dancing against the darkness and yep. But while I was in that month, I made this vow to whatever higher power existed that if I got a break, I would, I would try to give back. Right. I got a break and I, the first book I did was I followed six people who had been diagnosed as it turned out through the time they became sick to when mm-hmm. they died. But I did tell my parents, we had a conference call. You know, this was, this was like when conference, we'd never had a conference call. Right, right. And uh, it was probably the most painful call of my life. Of your life. Yeah. And then, you know, then I heard my mother get a second opinion, get a second opinion. And so, yeah, but it was hard. It was hard for us. And it, it probably, yeah, it made me understand just how brief life might right. be. And it took me a long time to even imagine that I might have anything near a full life expectancy. Right. Did you, at this point, you've been cancer free for so long. Do you yeah. still go like, oh my God, lump? Are you still constantly like worried? It's kind of a PTSD that I have because I ha- when I started the book tour, I was having some problems with my throat. And I thought, of course, I have throat cancer. Right. Uh, and I will say, to help sort of bolster my neurosis, my my sister has had cancer. My mother right. had cancer. Your, my sister, your sister had ovarian, and your mother had lung. Right, and yeah. uh, 
and my and my sister-in-law had um, a sort of a, a, a throat. So I, I go to the ENT finally, and he says, "Oh, you're fine. You know, you need some physical therapy for it." But I just like broke down in tears, like right. all the way back through all that trauma, and I just had to recognize that's what it was. Right. You know, that's okay. You know. Did you get a second opinion? No, I like that news. Ah. <laughs> That's so great. But and maybe, yeah. I, maybe I should, Judy. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I always wonder that, you know, um, but but it must have made you a completely different person. You started writing books and there's so many things. This this book in particular is is so personal. It, you know, when I started reading it, I was like, oh, stupid things I won't do when I get old. Like Oh, he's making fun. You know, like the, 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 the title does not do the book. You know, it, it is humorous and it is, but it's so brutally honest and it's so uh, heartfelt. And as someone who had older parents and grew up always around old people, I found it fascinating. And, and your mother, you talk about, uh, first of all, your father having an issue with you being gay, you know, here's my son and there's something missing in our relationship because I can't understand his sexual orientation. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Which I find that it is usually the same sex parent that has a bigger problem with a gay child or had a bigger problem when, you know, during this time period, because they can't imagine being gay, but, but a, an opposite sex parents who, who is heterosexual can imagine wanting to be with a woman or wanting yeah. to, right? Yes. yes. Do you think that's, I think that's a very good theory, Dr. Judy. I'll- say <laughs> I, I can, I could be on tour with you. Yeah, you know? no, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's very true. And, um, yeah, it was it was definitely an issue between my father and me for for really for a long time, and one that we weren't we weren't able to bridge. Right. I mean, in terms of you know form, yes, he was always very embracing of my sister's family and and wife and my my partners, but I think you know deep down there were there were issues. Yeah, we and especially being the firstborn, it's like you know you're my right. And I'm the one who doesn't have kids. Right. Good move. Okay. So I'm kidding. I love my kids, Henry and Ben. I love you so much. Added so much to my life. Um, I love my nieces and nephew. Right. right. I bet you do. Okay. So, I mean, you did get married. You got married. You wrote about that. You've written about that. You've also written about getting divorced, Mm -hmm. which was when marriage equality passed, I think you got married in 2013. Is that right? We got married. Yes. We got married in 2013. Okay. <laughs> so when marriage equality passed, which I tell people all the time, you know, people did not go, you know, it was the biggest, the most, the largest amount of wedding uh, of uh, marriage certificates given in New York city mm-hmm. um, that day. And yes. yet People did not go to church. They did not go to synagogue. They went to city hall because it was about our rights as human beings living with dignity and being treated like everyone else, which gets, you know, this idea of religion gets uh, caught in this 
don't know if you heard, Jen Paskey was asked that question about, did you see this? Jen Paskey. Oh my God. I fucking love her. I mean, she was asked a question about, you know, President Biden talking about this Texas anti-abortion thing and how Mm -hmm. can he be against it when he's a Catholic. And she, she basically was like, I know you've never been pregnant and you can never deal with this, but this is our body or, you know, and it was such a great answer. And I feel like the same thing is with gay marriage, you know, it's not about religion. It's about dignity and respect. It's about being recognized by civil society. And, right. You know, I know others have said this, but it was really eye-opening to me because Jim and I had been partnered for many, many years at that. And you hate the word partner, as do I. You know, we were lovers, we were whatever. Yeah. And, you know, we got married. And I was, so I lived in this town here, Hillsborough, North Carolina, yeah. 6,000 people. And... It was just amazing how much more recognition our relationship was given once we were husbands. And we had this wedding reception here. Right. I think 75 people came. It was the first time we gave toasts. It was, it, it you know, it, they say every every LGBT person is sort of an ambassador for this cause. Right. I remember that afternoon. We were ambassadors. People were paying attention. and um, And I said, well... And what it really means is I can have sex with Jim 24-7. Right. That's not exactly true because right. anyway, that was my that was I'm not the comedian here like you. Right. But it <laughs> it is true. Did you did your relationship change? I mean, obviously it changed and you got divorced, but did it change immediately after that that celebration? Or did no. No. I mean, you didn't feel more. I didn't feel more connected. I didn't feel like our relationship changed. I felt the way people perceived our relationship right. changed. And that I we- keep telling that to Elisa, who keeps putting off getting married. I love I love how you've written about using the word husbands and wives rather than partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way you explain it, which if you could just do a little quickie on that, because I love that. Well, so when we got married, my mother... So my mother, by this point, was great on all these issues. But right. she was, well, who's the husband and who's the wife? Right. And I said, Mom, two husbands. Right. You know? And she said, no, you, ha- you, know, you can't have two husbands. You ha- they're, they're a match set, a husband and a wife. And, you know, and, and she may have been trying to, like, understand, like, what happened in the bedroom. But even if that's not the case, you know, there was just this binary way of thinking. Right. And so... You know, we're very, you know, forthcoming over time about about using the word husband, sometimes spouses, just because that is a little bit less gender. Right. People like people like that. Um, but that's the way, this, uh, you know, something I write about a lot is how our language reflects our values and how language changes the culture. And so um, something as simple as, you know, this is my husband and doing an introduction that says so much. Right. And how you respond says so much. So much, right. And it's so funny about the language because the culture changes and then the meaning of the language changes along with it. So, yeah, I I love that. Thank you so much for listening to part one of Kill Me Now with Stephen Petro. How great is he? Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling. This podcast and my life would not be possible without the help 
of Brittany Joe Sowards. If you are listening to this and you've stayed until the end, you better have subscribed. You better have given me a great review. Uh, five stars only, five stars, five stars. And you better have purchased my book and you better have checked out my website, judygold.com, so you can see that this Friday, September 17th, I am performing at City Winery in New York City, okay? And if you are in the Minneapolis area, I am performing at the Pay Gap Comedy Jam on September 26th at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds, okay? Like I know where that is. I'm acting like I know where that is. Also, if you are Jewish, ding, my, oh, my bell's in the other room. I want to wish you a happy, healthy New Year and an easy fast for the Yom Kippur holiday, which will begin Wednesday at sundown. Also, if you're an anti-vaxxer, go fuck yourself and be well. Wear a mask. I've been traveling and I've been double masking. You know, let's take care of each other. Let's take care of each other. Now, if you need 24-7 Judy Gold, you can, you know, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D. I don't know what else to say. It's a new season coming. Uh, It's autumn almost. And you know, that means new things. I just want everyone to be happy. As you know, I spread the love, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I am going to lose weight over the next few months because I really love eating. It's really hard. I love eating, but my doctor said I have to go on a Mediterranean diet. So I might move to Greece. I'm just rambling right now to see if anyone ever listens to the very end. This is all just for my, my pleasure. Anyway, Thank you all again for listening. Part two of Steven is fucking awesome. So I can't wait for you to hear it next week. And as we always say, so long. Don't forget to tune in next week to Just Kill Me Now. Um, Just Kill Me. Don't forget to turn for part two on Just Kill Me. No, it's not. It's just. Just Kill Me. No. Judy Gold's Just Kill Me. Just Kill Me Now. Just Kill Me Now. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.